Welcome to some more great Bible preaching from the pulpit of Capital City Baptist Church in the heart of Austin, Texas. Our prayer is that your relationship with Christ is strengthened and that you are blessed by the time you spend in the Word of God with us today. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the Son of Man, that thou visitest him, thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with honor and glory. Thou hast made him have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, how Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. For thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight, or but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night, Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like the grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins and the light of thy countenance. All our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, or it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. The King of glory is His name. The King of glory, His title of fame. The King of glory, He ransomed me. 
The King of glory, His face I'll see. The King of glory, the sinner's friend. The King of glory is coming again. Coming again, coming again. The King of glory is coming again. Well, I feel better about the whole thing, don't you? (laughs) Wow, what a joy to be back in Capital City. I can say this with all honesty. I don't know of a place, perhaps other than my own home church where I pastored for 35 years, that I'd rather be than right where I am this morning. And I mean that with sincerity of heart. I mean that. We tell people all over this nation, this is the most exciting church that we ever go into. Now, you didn't have a hundred-voice choir. They just sounded like it this morning. (laughs) Wasn't that good? And all this special music was none of the hullabaloo. And as Dr. Norris used to say, none of this Johnny Get a Cat Gun Bigger Than a Rat Gun Sis Bar Boom. (laughs) Music that glorifies Christ. Oh, by the way, I'm disappointed that you haven't taken up enough money to buy Robert a full-sized horn. (laughs) Can you imagine what he could do with a full-sized horn? God bless you, Robert. We're so proud of this music program and blesses our hearts. I'm telling you, we were singing all those congregational hymns. That that got us off to a great start, brother. And God is so good, isn't he? What a wonderful book we have here. Within this handful volume lies the mystery of mysteries. Happiest they of human race to whom their God hath given grace to read, to fear, to hope, to pray, to lift the, fo- to lift the latch and force the way. But better had they ne'er been born that read to doubt or read to scorn. I believe the book. I believe every word of it. And I want you to open your Bible. Oh, by the way, did I tell you When we open the Bible, the Bible opens the mind of God. Let's see what God's thinking about in the book of Exodus, chapter number 32. As you're finding your place in the 32nd chapter of the book of Exodus, could I remind you again that as sure as night follows day, and day follows night, God still lives, and the Bible is right. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents. Of the heart. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And it's settled right here in this blessed book that we call the Bible. Inspired, infallible, inerrant, impeccable, indestructible, and powerful, and precious, and perfect, and pure, and pontifical, and preserved for us in our own language in the King James Version. <laughs> 
I'm so glad we have the book. Now I'm going to read from Exodus chapter number 32, one verse. That'll be verse number 26. I'll read it after we pause together in a moment of prayer. Will you pray with me, please? And now, Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee that with the Bible open before us, we can hear from Thee. We've heard from the politicians, the pundits, the philosophers, the psychologists, the psychiatrists, the educators, the environmentalists, the economists, but we want to hear from Thee. And I pray the Holy Spirit would give us permission to read this blessed and holy book and permission to preach this wonderful truth. I pray it would penetrate the hearts of every person in this room. Write, we pray, in the books of heaven that we love Thee, that we honor Thee and adore Thee and worship Thee and praise Thee, and that we ascribe to Jesus Christ all power and riches and wisdom and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. We bless the memory of those who've gone before us. We think of our dear brother Hank Thompson, whose fingerprints are all over this place, using him so effectively all of those years. And now for the dear son Adam that's stepped in the place and filled the gap, carries on the work, we thank you for it. Now help us, I pray, to see and understand and know what you have to say to us today. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we offer this prayer with thanksgiving. Amen. Exodus chapter number 32, I read verse number 26. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Now, there were some very strange and unusual events taking place before Moses asked this powerful, penetrating, pulsating question, who is on the Lord's side? Remember that Moses and Joshua were up on the top of Mount Sinai, where Moses received the commandments of the Lord, written by the finger of God on two tables of stone. He was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. Down in the camp, the people grew restless. They, they grew impatient. They grew rebellious. They demanded of Aaron, make us gods that we can see. We don't know what's happened to this man, Moses. We want a God that we can see. And behold, and Aaron confiscated all the gold and formed the golden calf. And when Moses and Joshua were coming down from the mountain, Joshua said to Moses, I hear some strange music. It's not the sound of victory in battle. It's a strange, strange type of music. And then when Moses saw what happened, you know the rest of the story. And he asked the question, Who is on the Lord's side? What a classic example in this text, in this chapter of apostasy. And can I tell you today, my friend, that the apostasy of our day begs the same question. Who is on the Lord's side? May I get personal? Are you on the Lord's side? There's a line of demarcation in this world. It was drawn by God Himself, unmistakably clear. It separates, ladies and gentlemen, 
and divides mankind into two distinct and separate classes or groups, the saved and the unsaved. Jesus underscores this truth in Matthew chapter 7. Here I go, quoting Jesus again. I love to quote Jesus. In Matthew chapter 7, he spoke to us about two gates. He said there's a broad gate, there's a narrow gate. He spoke to us about two ways. He said there was a broad way and a narrow way. He spoke to us about two trees. He said there's a tree that brings forth corrupt fruit, and there's a tree that brings forth evil fruit. He spoke to us about two foundations. He said one is sand, the other is rock. He spoke to us about two destinies, heaven and hell. And I'm bold enough to say to you, my friend, there is no neutral ground. You are either right or wrong. You are either saved or lost. You're either on your way to heaven with Christ as your Savior, or you're on your way to hell to spend eternity in the lake of fire where the worm dieth not and the flames or never quenched. Hell, I know that doesn't make for a popular preacher. But you know what? God did not call me to be a popular preacher. If he had, he'd have turned my collar around, put me in a downtown cathedral. Or perhaps changed my name to Joel. I am not a popular preacher. I must give it like it is. To you like you are. Hell is real. And hell is hell. And I've come to tell you that hell was not prepared for human beings. Did you know that? Jesus said in Matthew, here I go quoting Jesus again. I love to quote Jesus. He said in Matthew 25, 41, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. God never intended for you to go to hell. He intends for you to go to heaven. The beloved Apostle John addresses this subject of eternal damnation, destruction, and death in the Revelation chapter 20 where he wrote, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Is your name written there? On that page, bright and fair, is your name written there? You say, but I joined the church when I... I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not talking about your name being on the church roll. I've been in the ministry now more than 60 years and pastored the same church for 35, and I've seen a lot of people... And I don't say this boastingly or bragging, but I've seen a lot of people slip off into eternity into hell from church pews because they were depending on church membership or baptism or their good works or their own righteousness. 
not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy, He has saved us. Can I say to you, you're either on the Lord's side or the enemy's side. I want to tell you that the Lord's side is the right side. It's the safe side. It's the winning side. It's the glory side. It's the heavenly side. One poet wrote, One door and only one, and yet its sides are two. I'm on the inside. On which side are you? I've entitled the message, Who is on the Lord's side? I would submit to you in the first place that the person who's on the Lord's side is the person who surrenders his life to Jesus Christ. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Christianity is not a creed or a council or a covenant or a code or a church. Christianity is a person. And take Christ away from Christianity, all you have is anity. That person is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God for sinners slain. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, the Bible says the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. You wonder why they were called Christians? They were so much like Christ. They may have seen them going by the marketplace and say, hey, there goes one of those Christ ones, one of those Christians. I'm reminded of the pious deacon who stood before his fourth grade boys' Sunday school class and said, Why do people call me a Christian? One little boy piped up and said, Maybe it's because they don't know you. (laughs) Why did they call these people Christians? Because they were so much like Christ. They walked like Christ. They talked like Christ. They looked like Christ. They were Christ ones. Now this is made possible only through the new birth. There have been many high-level talks in the history of mankind. Presidents and potentates and prime ministers and princes and all the rest have gathered in this summit or that summit here or yonder or there. And they've discussed world events, some of them very far-reaching. But I've come to tell you there is no summit, no high-level talk as far-reaching and meaningful and life-changing as the high-level talk that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Here's the way it goes. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, that is the physical birth, and the spirit, that's the spiritual birth, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, but I said unto thee, ye must be born again. I've come to tell you that the person who makes the difference between Christianity and all the other ten major religions of the world is Jesus Christ. You see, when a man, let me give you an example. When a man becomes a Muslim, he does not receive the spirit of Mohammed. 
though Hamid is dead. When a person becomes a Muslim, he does not have the life of Mohammed infused into his life. Mohammed is dead. When a person becomes a Muslim, he does not come into a personal relationship with Mohammed. Mohammed is dead. When a person becomes a Muslim, he simply subscribes to the, to the teaching of Mohammed and the tenets of the Muslim religion, which I hasten to tell you without apology is a man-made false religion. There is no redemption in Mohammed. There is no salvation in Islam. There's no salvation in anyone except Jesus. Acts 4.12 makes that clear. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. The same could be said about Confucianism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Shintoism, Tuism, Shinism, all the other isms that have become wasms. Tell me where there's a living head of a religion besides Christianity and Jesus Christ. You can't find them because they're not there. They're dead. And no, listen, no dead religious leader can impart life to a person. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Only Jesus Christ can say what he said in John 14, 6. Here I go, quoting Jesus again. I love to quote Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Nobody could say what Jesus said except Jesus. In John 5, 24, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. No one but Jesus Christ could say what he said in John 14, 19, Because I live, he shall live also. No one but Jesus Christ could say what he said in Matthew chapter 11 at verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. No one but Jesus could say what he said in John 11, 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, shall never die. No one but Jesus could say what he said in John 10, 10. I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. No one but Jesus Christ could say what he said in the Revelation chapter 1 at verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I'm alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and death. Ladies and gentlemen, the primary declaration of Christianity is not this do. It's this happen. <laughs> and it happened at Calvary. And Jesus cried triumphantly, It is finished. The work is done, ladies and gentlemen. He completed it for you and for me. When a man takes Christ into his life, he becomes a Christian. He's born again. He receives Christ in his heart. He receives the Holy Spirit in his life. He establishes a personal relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's easy to see, ladies and gentlemen, that all three members of the Godhead have a part and are involved in our salvation. God thought it. Jesus bought it. The Spirit wrought it. 
The Bible taught it. The devil fought it. But praise God, I taught it. And I'm climbing Jacob's ladder every day. I praise the Lord I ever found this way. When this old world's on fire, you may know I've gone up higher. For I'm climbing Jacob's ladder every day. In the second place, I just have 33 of these, so sit back and... No, I just can't. The person is, who is on the Lord's side is the person who surrenders his will to God's will. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, an acceptable and perfect will of God. God has a perfect will for your life. The question is, are you in His will? Two little girls, ages five and three, were playing housekeeping. And after pretending that they had worked a long, hard day, the five-year-old said to the three-year-old, Now, we must say our prayers before we go to bed. So they knelt by the bed, and the three-year-old prayed, Dear Lord, we've had a good day today. What's your plan for tomorrow? You know, it's that childlike faith that every one of us ought to approach every tomorrow of our lives. What is your plan, dear God, for my life tomorrow? This is a good day. What's your plan tomorrow? Let it be known to every person in this congregation, God has a plan for your life. It is unique to you. Can I tell you that God's not going to change His plan to fit your life? He's going to change your life to fit His plan. Think about this. God has a right place for you to be. When you're in the wrong place, the right place is vacant. A wise man once said, I don't remember who it was, it may have been me, To seek God's will is the greatest quest. To know God's will is the greatest knowledge. To do God's will is the greatest achievement. I might add, in God's will, there are no failures. Outside God's will, there are no successes. Did you know the word failure is not in God's vocabulary? And it never shows up on His radar screen. David Livingston said, I'd rather die in God's will in the jungles of Africa than to live outside God's will on the throne of England. By the way, if you're asking what God's will is for your life, I would say to you right up front, God's will for your life is for you to be redeemed, be saved, go to heaven, live with Him for eternity. I give you scriptural proof, 2 Peter 3, 9. God is not slack concerning His promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that many, no, 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 not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You want to know what God's will right after you're saved? For your life to be patterned after His Son, Jesus Christ. I give you scriptural proof. Romans 8, 28 and 29. By the way, don't ever read or quote Romans 8.28 without going to verse 29. Romans 8.28 says, And we know 
And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. More like Jesus I would ever be. Hear me when I say it, ladies and gentlemen. God is not going to allow anything to come into your life but what is designed to make you more like Jesus Christ. Suffering, heartache, disappointment, discouragement, depression, despondency, troubles, trials, tribulations, heartache. All of, God, listen, God is working all of these things together to conform you to the image of His Son. Thank God He's working on us every day. And one day it'll all be complete. You know what John said? He said in 1 John chapter 3, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, or we shall see Him as He is. Every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself even as He is pure. One day, will be just like Jesus. Number three, the person who's on the Lord's side is the person who links his life to the church. Can I say this very kindly? I'm about as kind and sweet and patient and loving and tender as anybody you know. Kind of makes you sick, doesn't it? But I want to say this very kindly. I have a great deal of reservation about a person who tells me he's saved and never unites with the church, never follows the Lord in baptism, never links his life with the church. I say thank God for Capital City Baptist Church today. For more than 25 years now, you've stood as a beacon of light and a harbor of hope, not only for this community, but for multitudes around the world. Thank God for the church. You see, the the church is the body of Christ. He's the exalted head in heaven. I give you scriptural proof. In the book of Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. And Acts 20, 28 tells us he purchased it with his own blood. Can you imagine how precious the church, his body is to him when he purchased it with his own blood? I can tell you today that the church is God's instrument, I might say, if I could put it that way, for the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. You see, God did not commission the YMCA or the YWCA or the Odd Fellows or, or, or the Promise Keepers to evangelize the world. He commissioned the church solely, only, completely. That's what Jesus said. Here I go, quoting Jesus again. I love to quote Jesus. Mark 16, 15. He said, Go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. To every creature? That's what he said. You see, every member of Adam's wretched, ruined race is on God's most wanted list. Somebody says, But preacher, what about the elect? Well, let me help you with the elect. The elect are the whosoever wills. And besides all that, if you get the wrong person saved, God will probably forgive you. 
Church is God's repository for truth. It's His reservoir of grace. It's His refuge for weary souls. Thank God for the church, the anchor of my soul. Thank God for the church I joined when 11 years old. Thank God for the church that pointed me to the cross. Thank God for the church I'm saved from endless loss. Thank God for the church that helps me on the way. Thank God for the church, and I shall live in God's eternal day. Consider what the church has done for us. Are you ready for this? The church has nourished our thirsty souls. The church has fed our hungry hearts. The church has guided our misguided lives. The church has sheltered our families. The church has married our children. The church has buried our dead and comforted our grief-stricken hearts. Why then should we link our lives to the church? Let me tell you. You should link your life to the church in order to identify yourself with Christ. You should link your life to the church in order to learn the doctrines of God's Word. You're not going to find them in the Reader's Digest or Aesop's Fables or the Farmer's Almanac. You're going to find them only in the Word of God. You should link your life to the church in order to embrace the teachings of Christianity. You should link your life to the church in order to fortify your faith. You should link your life to the church in order to serve God in the power of the Holy Spirit. You should link your life to the church in order to invest your money in the souls of men. You can take $100 down to the bank tomorrow, and you won't draw enough interest to get a bird seed. But if you invest $100 in missions, it'll go around the world and win a lot of people. And you'll, you'll reap dividends for all eternity. Yes. Invest in the church. No greater investment. In order to, uh, you should uh, link your life to, to the church in order to meet with God and to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. The psalmist said in Psalm 122 at verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. The way some people look when they come to church, you'd think he said, I was mad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Come with joy. Come with an open heart. Come with a smile. Come with victory in your soul. And leave stronger than you came. Now, the telephone rang in the office of the pastor where FDR attended church. The pastor answered, and the voice on the other end of the line said, Is the president going to be in church this Sunday? To which the wise pastor answered, I can't be sure, but God is. And that's reason enough for anybody to attend. I sought for God and climbed the highest steeple. Go down, my son, he cried. I dwell among the people. I should tell you, if you want to be with God, you must come to where God is. And God inhabits the church. Habakkuk 2.20 says, the God is in His holy temple. When I was saved, I was saved in the church. When I was baptized, I was baptized in the church. When I was married, I was married in the church. When I was ordained, I was ordained in the church. When I preach, here I am, I'm preaching in a church. If I should die before the Lord returns, don't call the funeral home yet, but if I should die before the Lord returns, I want to be buried from the church. 
I love the church. A little girl was asked why she went to church every Sunday. She answered, I go to church every Sunday so that when they carry me in, the Lord won't have to ask, who is it? The person who's on the Lord's side is a person who is willing to publicly confess Jesus Christ as Savior. May I quote Jesus one more time? Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. But he didn't stop there. He said, Whosoever therefore shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. I'm speaking to someone right now who should come and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. I'm speaking to someone who should come and surrender your will to God's will. I'm speaking to someone right now who ought to come and link your life with this church. I'm speaking to some who should come and make a public profession of your faith in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, my friend, if you leave this place disobeying what God has led you to do today. Your pastor is not going to pay the consequence. Your visiting preacher is not going to pay the consequence. This church is not going to pay the consequence. You are going to pay the consequence. And if you'll stay tuned, I'll tell you what it is. Proverbs 29.1 He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. I invite you, my friend, to come to Christ. Come to the church. Come to Calvary. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as white. Come for all things. I'm now ready to stand for this We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today, but more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.